And they were in bondage in Babylon. In the book, we are introduced to God's strategy for restoring, as he had promised, the Jewish people over Palestine. That's the message of the book of Daniel. Notice first that Daniel and three other young Hebrew men found themselves in a culture that advocated practices that were radically different from what they believed were right. But they would not bend, and they would not waver in their integrity or in their morality. No matter what the culture said, they were more concerned with what God and God's word had to say. The Holy Bible is our rule and our guide as to our beliefs, as to our worship, and as to our behavior. Say that after me, please. The Holy Bible is our rule and our guide as to our beliefs, our worship, and our society. Though our society, our culture, proclaims certain sins are all right 
and there's no harm in them, we must not bend. We must not bow in our integrity, in our morality. If you know I'm right, clap your hands. Must not bend, must not bow. Because of sin, our world is deeply distressed. And our world is deeply troubled. God has provided for us the principles and the practices of holiness, which are the laws of his kingdom. We are citizens of a spiritual, eternal kingdom, and we strive to live by the laws of the kingdom of God. And if we live by this, these principles, the world would be a place of inexpressible joy. If the world advocated and turned to and adhered to the biblical principles of holiness, I said this world would be a place of inexpressible joy. Second Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Every church ought to be a holiness church. So let's spend a moment observing God's strategy from, for delivering his people from captivity. What is God's strategy for delivering his people from captivity? The book of Daniel chapter 3 describes how the king of Babylon decreed that anyone who did not bow to the image that he had set up would be cast into a fiery furnace. Let the sound of the music People all over the kingdom bowed down and worshiped the image that the king had set up. But in Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow, would not worship. And because they would not bow and would not worship, they were bound hands and feet and thrown into a fiery furnace. To his amazement, when Nebuchadnezzar returned and looked inside the furnace later on, Daniel 3.24, he stepped back in amazement, said, did not we cast three men bound into the fire? They answered him and said, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth one is like the Son of God. We cast three men bound. I see four men loose. Not writhing, jumping, wallowing. They're walking, taking a walk in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. It didn't hurt them. It didn't harm them. And the form of the fourth one looks like the Son of the living God. So they took three men out. There were four men in. They took three men out. Why did they leave the Son of God, the fourth man, in the fire? Well, my explanation is the fourth one stayed in the fire, so when you and I get cast in the fire, he'll already be there to take care of us. Come on, tell your neighbor he's already in your fire to protect you and take care of you. Daniel 3.21, the king said, there is no other God 
who can deliver like this. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Sometimes your greatest tragedy will come just before your greatest promotion. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, sometimes your greatest tragedy will come just before your greatest promotion. Go through your trial, go through your tribulation, go through your disaster, but start looking for your promotion. What did I learn from this? How can I use this to help me get to a higher level? Because your tragedy comes to take you higher. Tell your neighbor your tragedy comes to take you higher. So the king who threw them in the fire stepped back, said, is there a God who can deliver like this? And he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel himself had a similar experience. King Darius of Persia was tricked by his advisors to decree that no one should petition any god or man except him for 30 days. And the penalty for disobeying this command would be death in the lion's den. When Daniel heard the decree, he opened the door to his balcony, went out on the balcony, and prayed to his God, the one and only living God, despite the decree of the king, and he prayed where everybody could see him praying. He continued to pray to God three times a day, just like he had always been done. But then the book of Daniel, chapter 6, describes how Daniel spent the night in the den of lions because he would not stop praying. And early the next morning, when the king came to the lion's den, Daniel was still alive, even though he had been all night in the den of lions. And in Daniel 6, 26, the king declared, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. So that was Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego delivered from the fire. The king said, no God like that. Daniel went into the lion's den, came out by the power of God, and the king said, I decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. But then Daniel, also chapter 4, describes how Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, which of all the wise men in the kingdom, only Daniel could interpret. Chapter 5, the son and successor of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, was holding a feast in which he ate and drank from the vessels from the temple of God in Jerusalem, which should not be done. They were sacred vessels. While doing so, the people spoke words of praise to idol gods of stone and wood and gold. But while they were praying and partying and having their feast before these idol gods, a hand appeared, wrote a message in an unknown language on the wall. Only Daniel could read the message. The message was, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You've been weighed in the balance and found warning. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and to the Persians. And Daniel 5.30 says, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. 
book of Esther, chapter 6, informs us that the kings of that period kept and consulted extensive records. Everything that happened in the kingdom, they made a written record of it. And kings consulted these records regarding the affairs of their kingdom and the kingdoms around them. And they always took note of what history and tradition and what events had brought to pass in the past of their rule and the rule of others. They kept a record regarding the affairs of the kingdom. What was God like? What had God done? What's all in the record regarding the work of God and the things that God has done? So it was a setup. Look toward your neighbor and say, it was a setup. By the time we came to the time of Daniel's life and his career, God had such a reputation that when Ezra, the priest, went to Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes, king of Persia, requesting that the Jews be allowed to go back home, Artaxerxes consulted the record. And he saw every time he messed or anybody messed with those folk, they got in trouble. And God always brought them out. So Artaxerxes, having talked to Ezra, who said, let our people go back to build a temple unto God, all Artaxerxes could do was answer and respond with an unequivocal yes. If God did what he did for the three Hebrew boys, if God did what he did for Daniel, if those who turned away from God got in trouble, he thought about Nebuchadnezzar, who was walking around saying, it's not this great Babylon that I built by my own power, by my own might. And of course, the Lord answered back, no. And Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind, he had a nervous breakdown. He began to fall down on all fours and crawl around like a beast. And he ate grass rather than normal food that humans eat. And his fingernails grew out like eagle claws and his hair like eagle's feathers and he spent time until he lifted up his eyes toward heaven and said, Lord, I'm sorry I did not recognize you. You are the God. You built this. You've caused this to happen and I want you to forgive me for speaking in pride and in selfishness and when Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God, his sanity and his reason returned unto him. So our Texas, he said, yes, take those folk wherever you want to take them. And in Ezra 7:11, he said from our taxes, king of kings, to Ezra the peace, I decree that any Jew in my realm, verse 13, including the priests and Levites, may return to Jerusalem with you. I and my council give you a copy of God's laws to Judah and Jerusalem to send back to report of the religious progress being made there. We commission you with silver and with gold we're presenting as an offering to the God of Israel, verse 16, collect voluntary offerings and for the Jews, for their priests, for the temple. These funds are to be used, verse 17, primarily for the purchase of oxen, rams, lambs, ga lambs, grain offerings, and drink offerings. Offer them in the temple of your God the money that is left. Use it for whatever you want to use it for. for. Take with you, verse 19, gold, other items I'm giving you for the temple of God. If you run short of money for the construction, verse 20, of the temple, 
and you have any other needs, make requisition from my royal treasury. Verse 21, I send this decree to all the treasurers. They are to give Ezra whatever he asks for. My God. Up to $200,000 in silver, 1,200 bushels of wheat, 900 gallons of wine, any amount of salt, whatever else the Lord of heaven demands for this temple, give it to them and listen to his explanation. For why should we risk God's wrath against the king and his son? When God got through doing what he did to those Persian, Babylonian kings, and when he blessed and protected Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when our taxes checked the record, he said, listen, the record indicates to me I better not mess with these folks. Come on, clap your hands. I don't want the anger and the wrath of God to fall upon me, upon any of my descendants. That's what our taxes said. So that was God's strategy. Do you see it? God had wrought so many miracles that by the time Ezra went to the king and said, we want to go back and build the temple and build the wall and reestablish the worship of God in the city of Jerusalem because the prophecies indicate that the Messiah will not come until the Jews are in Jerusalem and they set up temple order and the Messiah will have an opportunity to come into that wonderful Jerusalem situation. And so God had to get his folk back to Jerusalem. How great, are you with me? How awesome is our God. Magnificent in providence, glorious in power. He used these nations as instruments of his judgment. Then by his mighty work and miracles, he caused the kings to so fear and respect him that they gave his chosen people everything they needed and sent them back home to do his work that they might bring glory unto his name. He uses fiery furnaces. Help me preach, Lord. Lion's dens, dreams and visions to bring his purposes to pass. The miracles that these four young men experienced were not just for them, but also for the glory of God. The miracles God does are not just for you. They are for God's glory and God's purpose. Come on, give glory to God. Clap your hands. I want you to learn how to trust God to provide the resources that you need. Trust God to take care of you. Be not dismayed whatever betide. God will take care of you. And God's purposes for you will be fulfilled. When people see the blessing of God on your life, they'll bless you also. God's favor will bring the favor of men. And when you're really committed to God, people will really be committed to you. So Daniel died in the year 545 B.C. But he had prophesied in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 25, that the Messiah would come to a restored and rebuilt Jerusalem with a wall and with streets. It is said that the rebuilding would take place during troubled times. There's going to be trouble, but you can rebuild anyhow. 
Tell your neighbor, even in the midst of trouble, we can rebuild. We can do the work of God. We can pay for this temple anyhow. Zechariah 9 and 9, it said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this prophecy is a prophecy regarding the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And unless the Jews were there, unless they had established temple order, unless they had been returned to Jerusalem, the triumphal entry could not take place as it was prophesied by Zechariah. Micah 5, 2 said that he would be born in Bethlehem. For the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem, the Jews had to be there in Judah and Bethlehem. These and other scriptures indicate a prophetic consensus that the Jews would rebuild Jerusalem and be gathered there when the Messiah came back to Jerusalem. Are you still with me? So the challenge was to get the Jews back to Palestine and to secure them there until the Messiah came. History says that Ezra and Zerubbabel may have carried as many as 60,000 Jews back to Palestine. Many of them settled in Jerusalem. Over the years, thousands more migrated back to Palestine. And while the Israelites were reestablishing themselves in Palestine, they had to deal with various foreign powers who were constantly seeking to rule over them. Alexander the Great had conquered a huge territory, but his empire had broken into four separate kingdoms after his death. Daniel had prophesied all this, but he also had prophesied that a king would arise who would be more wicked than all the rest that had ruled. He would set out to eradicate morality and to wipe out godliness from the nation. Daniel called him a vile person. Most, this, most people, our scholars would say that this person was Antiochus IV Epiphanes. He was a violent person. He had a hatred for the Jews. And he had a hatred for their faith. He attacked the city of Jerusalem and slew 40,000 people in one campaign. He also sold 40,000 people into slavery. He bought the flesh of pigs and sprinkled the broth from the flesh of pigs in the temple and on the altar. Pigs under Jewish law were not only considered filthy and ritually unclean, they were otherwise uh, offensive to the sincere worshiper of God. But the Epiphanies entered the Holy of Holies and took the golden vessels and treasures from the temple, and he prohibited temple worship, and he consecrated the Jewish people of Jehovah to Jupiter of Olympias, and he offered pigs on the altar of the temple and made the temple desolate of divine worship. But the text verses that I read in Ezra and in Daniel sparkle like jewels amidst the darkness of the context. In the midst of all of this, Daniel prophesied 
in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 32, that the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Look at your name and say, the people that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The book of the Maccabees in the Apocrypha, not the Bible, in the Apocrypha, provide us with the names and deeds of some very special individuals who did great exploits for God during that 40-year period, a 400-year period after the death of Daniel and before the coming of the Messiah. Some people call that the silent period. No new scriptures were written. No new revelations were provided in Holy Scripture from Daniel to the book of Matthew. But God was busy during that 400-year period between the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New. And there were some very special people who did great exploits during that period. People like Eleazar, a principal scribe. In the second book of the Maccabees, chapter 6, verse 19, Antiochus Epiphanes' officer shoved fine swine or pig flesh into the mouth of Eleazar, demanding that he eat it, that he swallow it. But Eleazar spat out the flesh of a pig, knowing that he'd be tormented to death by doing so. He would not become unclean and ritually unclean before his God. He spat it out, and he was executed for that. In the second book of the Maccabees, chapter 7, tells the story of a mother who with her seven sons were all put to death because they would not deny or forsake their faith. The most notable story is told of Matthias Maccabeus and his five sons who sought to defend and protect the faith of Israel, their faith. They restored temple worship. They restored temple sacrifices. They protected the Jewish people as they worshiped and as they pursued the law of their faith. They possibly more than any others worked for 40 years to prepare the Holy Land and the city of Jerusalem for the coming of the Messiah. They rebuilt the temple. They restored daily sacrifices. They were furious warriors for God. They fought against the army of Epiphanes twice and defeated them both times during that period. And so they did great feats and great works and great exploits for their God. Come on, clap your hands. And they so worked that when the time for the Messiah to appear to Palestine came, then Palestine and the Holy Land was ready for his coming. The people who know their God shall be strong. Listen, knowing God will make you strong. Tell your neighbor, knowing God will make you strong. Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. God does not just want to know you through his word. God wants to know you in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering and the same power that God exercised when he raised Jesus from the dead, God is ready to exercise it right here in this room 
and bless everybody here with the power and with the anointing of Almighty God. Paul said in Ephesians 1:15, "For I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I began to pray for you and give thanks for you. And in verse 18, he says, that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So I just dropped by to tell you today that the same power with which God raised Jesus from the dead, God wants to work in your life. God wants to perform miracles for you. God wants to revolutionize your situation. Come on, tell your neighbor, you'll never be the same when God gets through with you. So Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Isaiah said, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, mount upon wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Tell two people, God is increasing my strength. The people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Said after me, the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. I've got to get through with this here. But God wants to expand our vision. Tell two people, God wants to expand your vision. Isaiah 54 and 2 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen the cord. Strengthen the stakes. You're going to expand on the right. And you're going to expand on the left. And your seed, your offspring, will inherit the nations and shall make desolate cities inhabited. Listen, God wants us to claim this city. Father Lord Jesus, we're losing our children. We're losing our men. We're losing the family. Our society is falling apart. Trouble is on every hand. But God wants us to expand in our city, inherit the nation, and inhabit desolate cities. Hallelujah. Osama bin Laden cared nothing for the $25 million that he had inherited. He cared nothing even for his life. He could have relaxed and enjoyed the money. But he spent the money and gave up the luxury to pursue his goal. The soldiers of ISIS and Al-Qaeda 
gave up their lives for what they believe in. But if they are willing to die for their faith, why is it that we can't even live for our faith? Come on, tell your neighbor, neighbor. If they were willing to die for their faith, why can't we live for our faith? The songwriter said, I live for him who died for me. God has somebody who'll do great exploits to his glory and to his honor. An exploit is a notable act. An exploit is a heroic act. And Jesus said in John 14 and 12, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I'm going back to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Come on and praise him. Jesus went a little farther in John 15 and 15 and said, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends because all things that I heard from my father I've made known to you. Jesus said, I've told you, church, everything that the Father told me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. Power! After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, I give you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. God said, if you walk with me, if you trust me, you can tread on serpents and on scorpions. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. I'll give you power to overcome the enemy, to do God's work. I give you power to walk in the might of Almighty God. Power! Get your hand and say power. I don't know about you, but I've got power that you can't see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy for God and me are a majority. Point to yourself and say, God and me are a majority. The people who know their God shall be strong and shall do great exploits. I don't know how you feel about it, but I see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Child of God, it's time to go higher. 
It's time to go deeper. God has a closer walk. God has a greater work. God wants to fill your life with the power of God. Yes, come on and praise him. Yes, yes, Lord, I've got power that you can't see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy for God and me. I am a majority. Say it after me. I've got power that you can't see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy for God and me. I am a majority. It's time for us to go higher. It's time for us to do a greater work. Away with this sitting around, waiting on the kingdom. We've got to grab the kingdom and seize it. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. God wants us to go higher. He wants us to go deeper. Jesus got in the boat with the disciples and said, launch out into the deep. Let down your net for a tremendous catch of fish. Simon Peter said, Lord, we've been fishing all night and we've not caught anything. But nevertheless, at your word, I let down the net. We're tired because we've been working all night. Somebody in the room is tired and ready to give up. But tell your neighbor, neighbor, I know you're tired, but don't give up. Your blessing is on the way. They were tired. They were tired. They were discouraged because they caught nothing. But Jesus heard Simon Peter say, at thy word, I will let down the net. Say, Lord, at thy word, I'll try again. At your word, I'll do something new. At your word, I'll launch out, I'll launch out into the deep. So the disciples launched out into the deep, let down their net for a catch of fish, and the net was filled to the point that it broke. They put fish in the boat, and the little boat was about to sink because they had caught so many fish. But what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to get you to see that God has a net breaking, boat sinking, blessing in store for you. It's time. Oh, yes. Come on and praise him. Stand up. Stand up. Give God praise. Give God glory. Yes. I'm on my way, on my way to my miracle. I'm on my way to my blessing. In the name of Jesus, it is done. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost power is all over this room. In the name of Jesus, let's go deeper. Let's go higher. Come on, give him praise. 
Give him praise. Give him glory. Yeah.